Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 47 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman, and he's back. He's back. He's back. He's been away for two weeks, and nobody knew where he was. There was a manhunt going on. There was a GoFundMe page getting ready to set up. But he's back. Ayaz Sumra just walks into the studio like nothing happened. Ayaz, welcome back, man. How you been doing? I'm good. How are you, Joey? Yeah, man, we've missed you on this show. We've had a lot of uh, big guests on on the last few shows, the last two shows when you were absent, but it's brilliant, brilliant to have you back. It was my pleasure coming back on the show. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we're going to get straight into business. I just want to say, for those first-time listeners, um, the month of August, everybody knows, it's kind of like a dead season for boxing. So we like to keep our guests relevant. We like to get on guests that are relevant to each particular week of boxing. So if we have a, uh, you know, if we do a show midweek, as we as we do every single week, we like to bring on someone that either fought last week or is fighting this week. We like to keep it very relevant. However, throughout the, the month of August, there hasn't really been any um, big fights on or anything like that. So no one's really been any more relevant than anyone else. But to keep it flowing here on the Box Hard podcast, to keep things interesting, I actually made a little bit of a promise to bring on a world champion each week throughout August. So there's four weeks in a month, realistically. So I look to bring you four world champions on um, on four shows, of course. And it seems that we've actually surpassed that. We've got another world champion on today's show. It's absolutely booming here at the moment. Obviously, this is something that cannot continue for much longer. But at the moment, we have got on this week's show another world champion. So that makes it now Six world champions in five shows. So, of course, last week we had Brandon Rios. The week before, Omar Figueroa and Lee Selby. The week before that, Antonio Tava. And the week before that, the great Mikey Garcia. So, as I said, we've got another guest on this week's show. Another former world champion in the shape of Juan Diaz. It's about a 30-minute interview and we talk pretty deep. We get pretty deep. We talk about some stuff. We talk about honest stuff throughout his career. You know, he was a real cracking fighter and a lot of people forget get they think he's really old it's just because he started his career really early I think he turned pro when he was about 16 17 so he's only 32 and he's back in the picture and he wants to make big things happen in the near future so we're going to roll straight into part one sorry for rambling on a little bit there part one of course um, the first part in part one is the review part of the show so we're going to talk about as I said, there's not been too much boxing on, but we're going to start over in New York, USA at the Rhino Stadium. Top of the bill, Jarrell Big Baby Miller, 17-0 and 0 with the one draw going into this fight. He fought tough man, tricky, hard to hit clean, very ugly kind of style, Fred Cassie. We saw Fred Cassie in there with Huey Fury in Huey Fury's last fight where... He suffered a real bad cut and the, the fight had to be stopped and it went to scorecards and Huey Fury, I think, won every round. But, you know, he's, he's very awkward, Fred Cassie. And Jarrell Miller, I haven't actually seen the fight. I've got to hold my hands up. I don't think that you could really watch it. I don't think it was televised and it certainly wasn't televised over here. And, um, yeah, Jarrell Miller... 
extends his win streak to 18-0, and of course, with that one draw. And Fred Cathy retired on his stall after the third round, so he didn't come out for the fourth. Again, I haven't actually seen it, so I don't really know what happened. I don't know if he got absolutely battered. And then um, and then Fred Cathy decided to... To, 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 to you know to give up I'm not too sure but we'll leave that there but nonetheless it's a good win for Jarrell Miller to actually get a stoppage win here and Fred Cassie his record at the moment 18 wins six losses and one draw it's getting a little bit worse for him we're now going to move over to the Wisconsin center over in another part of America of course and we're going to start with the top of the bill fight um, a guy that we've had on our show previous real nice guy Lewis Arias he went into his bout with a record of 15 and oh he fought Daryl Cunningham, 33 wins, 8 losses, and Luis Arias extended his win streak with a real good knockout in the 4th round, so he now 16-0, and and he picked up the vacant USBA middleweight title in this bout. Also on that bill, um, I didn't even know he was actually fighting on the bill until a little bit late, Carson Jones. He picked up a KO in round two over a man called Star Johnson. That's a good name there. And uh, Carson Jones now 39 wins, 11 losses and three draws. But that's it for that one. We're now going to review the last fight of the review part of the show. As I said, there really hasn't been too much boxing on. This one happened over in Coney Island, New York, USA. Errol Spence Jr., 20 and 0 going into his fight against Leonard Bundu, 33 and 1 with the two draws. That one loss coming to the great Keith Furman. Errol Spence Jr. extended his win streak to 21 and 0 with a KO in round six. He had his man down twice in that round. The first time he kind of got up, I don't think he was really ready for the onslaught that was coming, and um, he was put down again. And it was um, it was a bit of a highlight, real knockout t- type of thing. Um, you know, he went down. He's he, he kind of his head was on the ropes and then it just flopped to the floor and he banged his head on the canvas it's not a pretty sight but you know it's a good knockout for Errol Spence and I tell you what you know he dealt with him in much better fashion than Keith Furman did so that's that's quite a good um you know a good name for his resume there a lot of people not too sure with Errol Spence Jr is he the real deal is he not a lot of people would say yes and I think fights like this are definitely bringing in more believers um fight by fight to be honest it was a good win and um you know he looked really good he won every round it wasn't a close contest and I thought it was going to be a little bit closer I think that Bundu, when he shows up, he's very cagey. Uh, we've seen we've seen him in the United States of America, I believe, um, a couple of times now, just recently, you know, with Furman and Errol Spence, and he really hasn't looked too good. So uh, again, he's he's very he's very old. He's about forty two or something like that, and um, maybe it's time for him to hang up the gloves. But you know, he's been a good fighter at sort of fringe European level but when he steps up a bit higher um, you know he doesn't he doesn't tend to win but that's really it for the reviewing we're now going to go over to the funny fight segment again last week we mentioned there's a guy called Philophilus Dudu we thought he was fighting and it turns out yet again his fight didn't actually take place so I'm very sorry about this because each week we keep talking about this guy as having the funniest name it seems like his fights get pushed forward um, or pushed back a week every time so he's been on a few shows where we've gone yep that's the funniest name this week and he ends up not fighting so we're gonna ban him from this competition there is gonna be no more doo-doo and he's not gonna be 
mentioned on any of our shows anymore unless he gets a world title fight, which I'm just going to probably throw it out there and say, I don't think it's going to happen. I can't see Dudu being um, a world champion or nothing like that. But um, yeah, he's still yet to make his debut, which has been highly anticipated by us and and the listeners of this podcast. So we're not going to mention him anymore. So he's completely banned. So there's no there's no uh, result really for, for his fight, unfortunately. But um, we're going to talk about the fighter, the funny name fighter of this week. It's a guy fighting over in Tanzania or Tanzania. I'm not sure how that's said. It's actually at a venue called the BM Fresh Pub. Okay, so there's about 10 fights on the bill. So in the other corner, there's a guy called Joyce Awino. Six wins, three losses and one draw. And he's in an eight rounder against, wait for it, a man called Happy Dude, who has a record of zero wins, one loss, and zero draws. So only the one fight, and it was a loss. So we're really pulling for Happy Dude. Again, there's so many funny names. It's quite incredible. But uh, Happy Dude, he's out there representing, and uh, we're going to be backing him here. I really hope he can pull off the upset. As I said, he hasn't actually won a professional contest yet, but he's only had one fight. So all the best to Happy Dude. And we'll be very, very happy if on next week's show we announce that he's pulled off a good win. But that's really it for the funny name segment. That's it for the reviewing. There's one last thing to do before we bring on our first guest, and that is to bring in Ayaz with the news. We haven't had the news for the last couple of weeks because he's been absent. Ayaz, bring us up to speed. David Price has just teamed up with MGM Marbella. Yeah, that's a very interesting move. It seems like a lot of guys are teaming up with these guys um, managerially, of course. That's not promotionally, but yeah, a lot of guys looking to MGM. That's uh, that's the Matthew Macklin outfit, and it seems to be going well for their fighters. There's a couple of scousers now, I believe, and he joins that list. So all the best for big man David Price. Also, Luke Campbell will take on former British and Commonwealth lightweight champion Derry Matthews in Liverpool on October 15th. Yeah, a good fight. A lot of people um, taking to Twitter to say how much of a good fight this is. Um, I see it as a good fight as well, to be honest. I, as I think it's, um, you know, a lot of people are not very sold on Luke Campbell. You know, he's been in two decent-ish fights. I don't want to say huge fights in in you know within the last 12 months or so both times he's been put down now one of them um he got up and won that was his last fight it was pretty impressive i thought he he dominated behind the jab he was he, you know it was a good learning fight for him but of course he was down again now we know that Derry Matthews can crack we know that he actually beat Anthony Crawler you know i i just think that it's it's a good fight but i really think that if you know if if the Luke Campbell that we expect turns up then I think he's going to win the fight is there any more news world heavyweight title challenger Derek Chisora has confirmed he will return to action in Stockholm on September 10th yeah that's a fight that I haven't really heard much about I don't know who he's taking on but um it's a bit um it's a bit short notice I mean it's that's only like what about three weeks away and um, I don't know if he's going to be landing a, a good fight, but I'd imagine he is if he's traveling for it. So I'm not sure who his opponent is. Um, a first name that would come to mind would be Pulev, but I don't think that the rematch is going to happen. 
Um, so I, I don't know who he's fighting, but my eyes will be peeled on that one. And hopefully he, he gets, you know, a little bit more active because we need, we do need to see that from Derek Jasura if he's going to, you know, stand any chance of getting back in that, that sort of world level picture, you know, any other news for us eyes? Eddie Hearn has confirmed Anthony Joshua's next fight will be on November 26, 2016. Yeah, again, his opponent not been announced yet. A lot of people speculating it's not going to be at the O2 Arena. It'll be interesting to see where it's going to be. If that's not the case, I haven't seen it confirmed nor denied by the people in charge of Anthony Joshua. But hopefully he's in a good test. A lot of people don't think he's going to be in there with a real big name or anything like that. But hopefully we see him in there with a good fighter before the year's up. Is that it for us, Ayers, for the news? Yes, that's it for the news. Okay, so that's the news part done. That is the funny name fighter done, and that is the review part of the show done. So before we end part one, there's one last thing to do, and that, of course, is to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA, WBO, and IBF lightweight champion of the world, Mr. Juan Diaz. Juan, welcome to the show. Ah, Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Hey, it's my pleasure to have you on. Now, I want to start with a bit of a typical boxing interview opener, Juan. How did it all begin? When was the first time that you put on a pair of gloves? Well, the first time that I put on a pair of gloves was when I was when I was eight years old. I was a uh, I was a little fat boy. We used to get in trouble and and fight a lot, and uh, you know had a lot of energy. Had a lot of energy, and uh, my father he uh, he said that one day. He would uh he would have a world champion if he ever had a son, and sure enough, I turned out to be his firstborn, uh, a boy, and uh, he said this is gonna be a world champion. So at the age of eight, I uh, started I started fighting, and uh, I, I wasn't any good. You know, I'd get punched in the belly, start crying, but uh, as the years went on, I got better and better, lost some weight, and uh, started uh, actually being pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, you turned pro in June 2000. Four years later, you compiled a record of 24-0, and 0, 12 by knockout, 12 by decision. Then you step in the ring against Lakva Sim, a two-weight world champion. You beat him via unanimous decision after 12 rounds. You become the new WBA world lightweight champion. Now, your first defense is against two-time world champion Julian Lawsey. You beat him via unanimous decision after 12 rounds. No one had done that to him. He only had three losses on his resume at that time, one split decision and two majority decisions. After you mm-hmm. beat him, he decides to retire from the sport. Now, you defend your title for the second time, this time against world title challenger Billy Irwin. You become the only man to stop him when you knock him out in round nine. After you beat him, he decides to retire too. Now, at this point in your career, um, Juan, after these two defences, how's things going? Well, things are going great. Uh, They're going fabulous. I'm, uh, you know, undefeated, a world champion, beating uh, uh, former world champions or, or contenders. So, I'm very excited. I feel that I'm on top of the world and uh, nobody can stop me at that time. No, absolutely not. Of course, you then have a non-title bout. You beat a guy by a knockout in round five. Now we're in April of 2006, your third defense of your title. In the other corner is Jose Miguel Cotto, brother of the great Miguel Cotto. You're 28-0 and 0 here, and he's 27-0. and 0. Both unbeaten. Somebody's O has got to go. If he wins, him and his brother become the only two Puerto Rican brothers to both become world champions. Not only that, but to both hold world titles at the 
same time. So tell us one. Did the Puerto Rican dream become reality? Oh, absolutely not. They did, it did not <laughs> become reality. I put a I put a stop to that. I uh you know, I went in there and we were both aggressive. I think in that fight, you know, it was a twelve round fight, we threw over over a thousand punches in that fight. And I had a little extra pressure and I loved it because it was on the undercard of uh Mayweather and Sab Judah. They were the main event that night, so you know, I was fighting at the uh, MGM Grand in Las Vegas, so it was a bit, the big, uh, the big show, and uh, I was just very excited and very happy to be there. So I knew I had to uh, had to put a show on for the fans. Do you think that that fight was kind of like you know your career-defining fight at that stage? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know we had that uh, that fight, and then uh, that was uh, what catapulted me to. Uh, let the fans and the people know and the networks, uh, the boxing people know that, you know, I, I could be able to be in there with the big boys and, and hold my own. So that fight right there uh, gave me a big catapult to, uh, to be the champion that I was uh, during, during my time as champion. Yeah, of course. And of course, you won that fight unanimously after 12 rounds. Then you make your fourth defense, this time against Randy Suiko. Suiko boasted a record of 24-2 and two at the time. One loss by a split decision, one loss by majority decision. You knock him out in the ninth round. You defend your belt the next time for the fifth time. And the third time in the year of 2006, you face Fernando Angulo. Now, you beat him over 12 rounds unanimously. Now is where things, in my opinion, start really heating up. You get elevated to the WBA super champ, and on April the 28th, 2007, you put your WBA super world title on the line against Asselino Freitas, a good, good fighter, the WBO champion as well. He puts his belt on the line also, a unification match for the WBA super and the WBO lightweight world titles. Asselino Freitas going into this fight with a whopping record of 38 wins and one loss. The one loss to Diego Corrales in a close, close fight until Freitas quit in round 10. You were 31-0 and 0 at the time. This fight on paper is probably the hardest fight of your career thus far. Now, well, you better tell us about this fight because this was a brilliant, brilliant <laughs> fight. Yeah, it was uh, It was one of those fights where a lot of people told me, no, don't do it. You know, you're a young champion. I don't think you should do it. But, you know, I knew that uh, I knew that Asselino Freitas was not the, the one knockout punch artist that everybody was making him the scene to be. I knew that, that at that time I was unstoppable. I mean, you just mentioned Randy Suco, Jose Miguel Cotto, uh, you know, Las Casim, all these guys. I had already fought and I had beat them. And, uh, you know, I knew that it was, it was my time that I had to uh, do what it takes to, uh, to be the super champion. So, you know, at the time, I said, you know what, let's go for it. I, I said, the hell with it. You know, I told my manager, let's do it. You know, a lot of people are scared. Don't, want, don't think that I'm ready for him. I'm ready. So I, I, uh, I went in there in the first round, and uh, I took his best punch, and I didn't even feel it. I said, wow, this guy is not the monster that they, that they make it out make him out to be so i said you know what i'm gonna take i'm gonna take it to him so from the first round i i took it to him and you know i started to wear him out and he saw that i took his best punches and i'm not a power puncher everybody knows that but you know the multiple punches and just wearing them down and i, I eventually got him out of there 
Yeah, the pressure was tremendous in that fight. Yeah. Um, you were winning that fight, obviously, on all three judges' scorecards. And in the eighth round, Freitas decides not to get off his stall. So you're now the WBA super and the WBO lightweight world champion. I'll continue with the journey. You, 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 you have yet another unification fight. Not many fighters in the sport today would like to fight two unifications in a row, let me tell you. <laughs> you fight uh, Julio yeah. Diaz. Now, Julio Diaz is obviously the IBF lightweight champion. Julio retires on his stool. So both guys who you unified with both retired on their stool, which is quite remarkable. You're now the WBA yeah. super, WBO, and IBF lightweight world champion. So firstly, how did it feel to have achieved all this, to hold three belts, to go through your whole career at this point undefeated with a record of 33-0? and 0? Actually, I think uh, beating Julio Diaz was probably the best one because, you know, he was talking a lot of crap and uh, he, was, he really got under my skin. And, uh, you know, I told him, look, I told him and everybody in this face, I said, Julio Diaz is a, is a phony Diaz. He's not the real Diaz. So that's why I felt especially good to beat him uh, at when I did and the way I did, made him quit. So, you know, I showed everybody that he was a phony Diaz, that I was the real Diaz, the real Diaz that was, uh, that was a true champion. And that's why it was especially nice to uh, beat him and make him quit the way I did. Yeah, absolutely. Now, would you say at this time, you know, after achieving all this, would you say that any of your hunger or any of your desire might have left you at this point at all? After that fight, no. I thought, uh, you know, I thought after that fight, I was on top of the world. I uh, actually got a little cocky. I think that's what happened, you know, moving forward. I got a little cocky and I thought that uh, I was invincible. I was, uh, that nobody was going to beat me. So, you know, I, I got a little too cocky. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, your next fight, you're defending all three of your belts against Nate Campbell, who you possibly overlooked a little, to be honest. You know, you get handed your first career loss on a split decision after 12 rounds and you lose your belts. How hard was it to go back to the drawing board and regroup and come back again after that last one? Well, I think, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, especially tough because... Uh, I don't think it was so much of uh, Nate Campbell that was he was that good. I think the promotional issues that I had with Don King, I think that's what uh, caused me to lose all my belts was the fact that uh, that you know I had too many issues with Don King. And going into that fight, I signed the contract the night before the fight. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it was the night before the fight when I signed the contract, and I actually uh, and I actually everything was good and ready to go. Now, obviously, after this loss, as I say, it was only a split decision loss, but you was only out the ring for six months. Then you're straight back in again against the former WBO interim world champion, Michael Katsidis. You beat him via split decision after after 12 rounds. Uh, so that's, that's a great fight to bounce back into. Then you get your shot at your old WBA and WBO belts against the now champion Juan Manuel Marquez. A close fight where one judge had you winning, one judge had Marquez winning, and one judge had it a draw at the time of the stoppage. You were knocked out in that fight in round nine. Uh, tell us about that mm -hmm. fight a little bit, Juan. I know it was... Um, I mean, it was it was really the the you know the the sort yeah. of biggest yeah. loss at yeah. that point. It was your second loss. The other loss was a split decision. This was a knockout. How was it dealing with with this? How was the fight looking back? And and of course the backlash of it all. You know, uh, that fight was actually the one that broke my heart. Not even the Nate Campbell loss was as devastating as uh, as that Juan Manuel Juan Manuel Marquez fight. 
the Marcus fight was, uh, you know, a devastating loss because I put all my heart and soul into it against Nate Campbell. Like I said, I got I got cocky. I was uh, I thought I was uh, I thought I was invincible. Then I had problems with Don King. I mean, serious problems uh, that. You know, I wasn't focused. I was I was cocky, but I wasn't focused at the same time. And uh, with Marcus, you know, I believed in my heart that I was going to win that night here in uh, 2009 in Houston, Texas. I knew that I was going to win, and I was going to go to bigger and better things and just be the man again. You know, it, uh, the loss against Nate Campbell was going to be erased by, by me uh, beating Marcus, but it didn't happen. So, you know, that's where my fire... Uh, I started to lose the fire that I had uh, for for boxing. Yeah. and But once again, you're only out of the ring for six months and then you're back in again with another former world champion, this time in the shape of Paulie Malinaji. You beat him unanimously. You have a rematch, then he beats you unanimously. Now we're in July of 2010. You have a rematch against Juan Manuel Marquez for your old WBA and WBO world titles. You lose this fight this time around unanimously after 12. Um, walk us through that fight, Juan. It seemed to be a bit more of a switched on you from the two thousand uh, from from the previous fight that you guys had in two thousand and nine. Um, yeah, just talk us through that fight if you can. Well, you know, I uh, like I mentioned uh, in two thousand nine, he uh, he took some of the fire that I had uh, to uh, to fight and to win. And in that fight, I, uh, I my strategy was okay. I can't beat him in a straight fight. So I'm going to fight him. Uh, I'm going to box him. I'm going to be smart and box him. And uh, that didn't work out either. So towards some point, points of the fight, I tried to fight him and go, uh, go, go toe-to-toe with him. And uh, it didn't work. That, that plan didn't work. So, uh, so what I did was I, I tried to outbox him towards the end. It, it didn't happen. And then uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I lost and it just – to be honest with you, I just completely lost all the fire, all the fire in in me that I had to to fight and to win. So that's when I said, you know what? If I can't beat the best, and I'm not the best, then I don't want to do this, and I'm not gonna fight anymore. Yeah, I mean, obviously losing to a man like um, like Juan Manuel Marquez is no shame anyway. He's a fantastic fighter. He's even gone on from that to achieve spectacular stuff um obviously subsequently to that fight you decided to retire you were out of the ring for over two and a half years juan what made you decide to return to boxing well uh you know like i mentioned like i mentioned before i uh juan Manuel marcus turned off that fire that i had to fight and then uh he relit that fire uh, uh two years i was retired and i did not see any boxing I didn't even do any any type of exercise, no cardio, no boxing. No, I was just fed up with boxing. And then uh, uh, a friend of mine called me, and uh, a doctor friend of mine, he loves to go to Vegas, and he said, look, they got the Marcus and Pacquiao fight. Uh, can you, uh, I mean, let's go. Let's go. And I said, you know what, what the hell, Doc? I mean, let's go. I'll go with you. So he knew I, I had the, the connections to get us in the fight. He wanted to get in the fight, and I said, all right, let's go. So we went, we went to Vegas, we fought there, and uh, I mean, we fought, we went to see the fight, and we we're hanging out, having a good time, and when Marcus knocks out Manny Pacquiao, I mean, the whole arena is silent, you can hear mosquitoes and flies running, I mean, roaming <laughs> around the arena, and uh, so then, you know, 
somebody else would have gotten scared on that moment. They would say, you know, the hell with that. I'm done with boxing. I'm good. I'm glad I retired. But in that moment when that happened, that fire relit inside of me, and it has not stopped burning since. I said, man, you know, I cannot believe this old man beat me. You know, at the time, Marcus was, was 35, and I was, no, 37, and I was 27. So I said, I cannot believe Marcus beat me. This old man beat me, you know. So, so uh, you know, I said, I got to come back. I'm still, I was 29 at the time, and I said, I still have a lot more to give to the sport, and uh, this cannot be in this cannot be the end. So, uh, yeah, that's when I, uh, I decided to put the gloves back on and start and start going at it 100%. And of course you returned to the ring on April the 13th, 2013. You fought three times that year, two knockout wins and one by unanimous decision, two more unanimous decision wins in 2014, no fights for 2015, but most recently two fights this year, a knockout inside nine rounds back in March and a knockout inside eight rounds just two weeks ago. Seven wins out of seven since your comeback. Juan, first question about this. How did the fight go the other week? I know that you got the stoppage in the eighth round, but I haven't seen any footage at all. Well, I'm, uh, you know, now I'm just uh, very happy and excited that, uh, well, two weeks ago, you know, August 6th, uh, I have to say that I faced a pretty decent opponent in, uh, and he uh, he had a, a good punch, you know, he had a good punch and I was able to take all his punches and finally get get him out of there. So uh, I'm very, very excited because I didn't get tired. And the beauty about it is that I feel, I feel the way I did when, uh, when I was fighting, I said, you know, Freitas, Julio Diaz and all these guys. And I was able to put them away. That's exactly how I felt uh, this uh, against Vasquez on Two weeks ago, August 6th in Tucson, Arizona, I was able to see punches. I was able to turn away from punches, block punches. I was, I'm starting to see punches in slow motion again, as I did in uh, 2005, 2006. So I'm very excited and very happy to be in this comeback show and be able to get these guys out of there like I used to. You know, I don't knock them out with one punch, but I wear them out. I'll hit them enough that they get tired of the punches and I get them out of there. I want to sort of ask what's next for you. What what is next? Because um, obviously, you know this this comeback thing. Now you've 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 come back in 2013. It's been just over three years since since that time. You've you've had the seven fights. What what is next? Are we gonna see? Are we gonna see a big fight soon? If so, when is that likely to happen? Well, um, I'm hoping that I fight again this year. You know, I've been speaking with with my promoters and about about possibly fighting. Uh, you know, in the Manny Pacquiao undercard, and uh, we already expressed the interest uh, to fight uh, Flanagan. You know, oh, so wow. we're gonna wait. In. Yeah, yeah, that's the we we told uh, we reached out to Top Rank and we told them that we wanna we wanna fight Flanagan. That we would love the chance to fight him. He, uh, you know, he was scheduled to uh, uh, to do his mandatory against Verdejo, and uh, Verdejo, as we know, got hurt. So uh, I'm telling top rank that I am willing to step up to the plate and replace, you know, Verdejo and fight Flanagan for for the title. And uh, and you know, they I haven't got an answer yet. So I'm hoping that uh, pretty soon that can happen and and uh, we'll be there for you know for my fifth world title. Yeah, that will be huge. I really hope that does happen. Um... 
Another thing I want to ask you, you know, we get, there's a lot of guys in boxing that, that have had a brilliant career like yourself, won a bunch of titles. They, they retire for a while and then they run into, you know, financial issues. They return to the ring. It's not, I mean, I don't, I don't really know the case for you financially outside the ring. I know you've got a lot of ventures going on aside from boxing. Is that not the case here? Because I know that you're still young. A lot of people actually forget how young you are. You just turned pro so, so early and you were, you know, world champion in your early 20s. So, you know, how are you doing outside of the ring? Is it, is it, are you back? You're, you're not back for, for financial gain, I, I don't think at all. No, 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 not at all. I actually have my own uh, trucking company. I have 20 trucks running and, uh, you know, actually to be, uh, to be honest with you, I uh I make more money uh on a weekly basis than I do for this for my last seven fight my last comeback fights since 2013. So uh you know I uh I'm not doing it for the financial game. I'm doing it for that fifth world title and to really leave a legacy uh a legacy for me and and uh you know in the history books and I can have my my children and family proud of me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the that's the best reason and the only reason that will work. Um, also, I want to. I just I got to ask you this. To be honest, it's a bit of a bizarre question. You must have probably been asked this a bunch of times in your career. How are you still able to make lightweight? Because you've been really making it for fifteen years yeah. without without stopping. Really, how yeah. have you been able to do it? Especially with the hiatus for two and a half years out of the ring, you come back, you still can make lightweight. It's remarkable. Yeah, it's. Uh, I get that question a lot, but. Uh... You know the way I guess I can say it is that uh, I could I could fight at a lower weight, you know, at a lower weight, and I could have gone up to lightweight or maybe 140. But this is the weight that I'm comfortable with. Uh, I'm not a big guy. I'm a medium-sized guy, and I don't gain a lot of weight. You know, I eat healthy. Uh, my family is uh, my father has diabetes and cholesterol problems, so the doctor told me that. Uh, that I have uh, potentially, I could have cholesterol and diabetes. So I always watch myself. You know, I eat the right things, I eat the right foods, so that uh, I can stay healthy. And by eating the right foods, then I don't gain a lot of weight. And uh, I think that's why I've been able to stay at the weight that I that I am now. Yeah, because it really, I mean, that's like, there's no other fighters that I can think of that can remain in the same weight category for such a long period of time. It's quite, it's quite incredible, you know. Um, I want to ask you now a couple of um, sort of quick fire, funny, well, not funny, but a, li- a little bit less serious questions. Some, some interesting questions, um, some funner questions, that's the right word. Who would you say, <laughs> yeah. who would you say, Juan, is the the best fighter that you've ever sparred with we know that you've been in the ring professionally you fought a lot of top top names in the sport who would you say is the best fighter that you've ever sparred with well you know that it's an easy question because even to this day i still spar with him and it's a local guy a local guy i mean if he ever reads this or hears this he might not like it but you know his name is Leonard lane Leonard Lane is a fighter who's uh, had maybe six professional fights, I think, all together. And uh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. He had about 15 fights, lost two or three of them. And I'm gonna tell you, this guy is by far one of the best fighters in the world to me. In the world, he's uh, junior welterweight, but now he's, uh, you know, he doesn't. 
fight anymore. He just hangs around the gym and just spars all these guys. He's at 147 now, and he still spars with me. He still helps me. And that guy, Leonard Lane, is the one that I attribute all my championship uh, wins to because he's the one that uh, actually got me in shape for every championship fight and still gives me shit for every fight. This guy, I mean, we go to war. Every time we fight, we go to war. And he's one of those guys where he can step in there and spy, spar a lightweight or he can spar a uh, a middleweight. And he does just as good. He's he's a guy that, he's a gym fighter. So he can hang in there with the best. You can put a world champion in there and he will give him hell. But when it comes to him fighting in a fight and being under those bright lights and being the center of attention, he folds. And he basically doesn't do anything. You know, you would think that this is a guy that's never done it or can't even fight. That's how bad he looks. You know, he doesn't do anything. But when you put him in the ring, in the gym, wow, he's phenomenal. He's fast. He's, you know, he's like a... Uh, Junior Mayweather, you know, that's what I, I would call him, a Junior Mayweather. He's has fast hands, reflexes, everything. But under the lights, he can outperform. Wow, that is strange. It's, it's a good job I asked you that because he gets a bit of exposure there, some uh, well-deserved exposure as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, and I tell him, you know, I tell him uh, I tell him straight to his face, Lenar, you know, you're the reason why I became champion and you're the reason why I'm going to become champion again. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, another question I want to throw at you. Who would you say has been your toughest fight professionally? Uh, well, I guess you, you could call Marcus my toughest fight. But in all, in all reality, the guy has been, uh, his name is Uvaldo Hernandez. Got from Mexico City. Uh, he, he uh, I beat him back in, uh, uh, I think it was, uh, what was it? Back in my early age, I think it was my ninth fight where I fought him in. And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys where he's real slow, but, man, he hits like a truck. You know, you feel like you're in a car accident when you, when you go against him. <laughs> I was going to ask you who's the hardest puncher you've been in with. So would you say oh, this yeah, guy? But, yeah, by far, yeah. Ubaldo Hernandez, if you look him up, he's one of those guys, a journeyman. I guess what you call journeyman. And this guy, man, he hit me so hard that uh, to this day, you know, only reason I remember that fight is because it was on Showtime, and I watched it. I watched it. Uh, I've watched it a few times, but that's how hard he hit me that I don't even remember. I don't even remember uh, round two through uh, through ten. Or uh, no, eight. <laughs> we went eight rounds. Yep. <laughs> okay. Now I want to ask you. Um... I, I wanna, if 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 you can, um, I wanted to ask you your best, your your top five pound for pound fighters in boxing today. If you can give me five names in any particular order. Yeah, uh, I mean, but I would have to say, uh, you know, uh, Floyd Mayweather is number one. Yeah. You know, he's he's the best fighter in the world. And then uh, you have to say Andre Ward is right there with him, number two. And uh, then you have Triple G. You know, he's uh he's one of the best fighters in the world. And uh then you have uh Rigando, who's oh, for also sure. a great fighter. Yeah, yeah, and you got uh then you got Terrence Crawford on there as well. Those guys, I mean they're they're really they're really good fighters. Yeah, it's a solid top five that. You can't really disagree with that. I mean, you can't really swap that around. I mean Lomachenko's a great fighter as well. But uh Oh yeah, Lomachenko, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's hard, man. There's so much going on right now. Um, and I wanted to get your opinion on a fight coming up very, very soon. Obviously, we know that Anthony Crawler, the holder of your old WBA belt, he takes on Jorge Linares, a real good fighter. A yeah. lot of people say the number one fighter in the lightweight division. How do you see that fight playing out, Juan? Man, uh, you know, I, I've seen Anthony Corolla. He's, uh, he's a good fighter. And uh, if Anthony Corolla could, uh, can put the pressure on uh, on Linares and uh, kind of pressure him, then I think he would be good. I've seen uh, I've seen Linares when they pressure him, he doesn't do really good uh, on the pressure, but uh, but he is a great he is a great boxer and uh, he can box his butt off. So if Anthony Corolla is not careful, uh, Linares will out box him all night, you know, and I'll beat him by by uh, by boxing him. So what uh, what Corolla has to do is put a lot of pressure if he wants to win. Yeah, I agree. He has I agree. to put a lot of pressure. Yeah, if not, like I said, Linares is going to box his ears off. Yeah, real good fighter. Really, really one that I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, and I just want to, we're kind of approaching now the last couple of things I've got to ask you, really. Before I get on to them, I just wanted to ask you if there's anything that you want to you wanna get across, if there's anything that you want to get off your chest, anything that you want to say that perhaps some of the listeners may not know. Uh, I just want to, you know, I want to say that I'm here to stay. I'm here to stay in the lightweight division. You know, a lot of people think that I don't have it anymore, but I think I've proven myself in these seven comeback fights that I'm for real and I'm, I'm here to stay and that I am going to become world champion again so that's you know that's all i want to say that you know the world champions right now the ones that are uh, that are world champions you know some of them may try to run from me and uh, avoid me but this world is not big enough i'm eventually going to catch up to them and find them and uh, you know beat them yeah of course of course now the last real question i've got for you Juan is um I must ask this question to you. I have to ask this to every fighter that we speak to from overseas. Who is your favorite UK fighter, past or present, of all time? Oh man, I'm I'm a uh, I'm gonna go with uh my boy Ricky Haddon. You know, <laughs> he's uh yeah, he's by far one of my greatest fighters that, that I look up to. You know, even though you had uh you had great fighters in uh uh, who was it? Uh, who's that other guy that was undefeated? He retired undefeated, wasn't he? Joe Kazaki. Uh, yeah, there you go, Joe Kazaki. Yep, yep. He's uh, he was a great fighter as well, but I think I got to give it to Ricky Haddon because he's the one that brought the people the excitement. And I mean, I mean, I'm getting excited just thinking about the fight that <laughs> that he gave us. You know, it was uh, it was real. He was a real phenomenal guy and uh phenomenal champion when uh, when he was champion and uh, i gotta say you know he gave us our money's worth every time every time he fought yeah you cannot disagree with that absolutely one of the most popular answers to be honest that one um and yeah. now i just want to give you an opportunity just to send out a message to any of your uk supporters your uk fans when um, when i when i said that we were going to be speaking with you a lot of guys got very excited there's a lot of fans of yourself over here so if you want to send out a message to any of your uk fans please do so oh yeah absolutely i want to i want to personally thank all the fans from the uk because I know that I got a lot of supporters in the UK. I know that uh, they supported me for, for years. Uh, I know from my social media, from uh, Twitter, that 
you know, a lot of UK fans have sent me personal messages and on my news feed about how much they support me and how much they love my style. So, you know, I said it in the past and I'll say it again. If I have to go to the UK and fight one of these guys, you know, let's say uh, uh, Anthony Corolla happens to be Linares or uh, Flanagan uh, wants to fight me and he wants to do the fight in the UK, you know, so be it. I'm willing to go because I know I have fans there and I know I'm not going to be the favorite, but I know I'm going to have those few supporters that are behind me. And regardless, you know, I've seen I've seen how the UK fans are and they're very supportive. They just want an entertaining fight. I know, I know I'm not going to go over there and uh, get tomatoes thrown at me and, you know, all kinds of stuff. They're, uh, the U.K. fans are very respectful, and I know all they want is a great fight. And, you know, if I go down there to the U.K. and fight one of those guys, I know that we're going to have a great fight between the two of us. And the people that are going to win are going to be the people from the U.K. because we're going to give them a great fight. Absolutely, it'd be it'd be really excellent. I hope one of those fights does land for you because we'd welcome you over here with open arms. Believe me. Right, listen, Juan, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, my friend. One of the best fighters that we've had on our show, if I'm being honest. I wish you all the best for the future, and hopefully, we'll speak again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for taking the time to give me a call and for uh, letting all the fans, you know, not only from the U.S. and the U.K. but all over the world, know that the baby boy is back. He has 100% fire inside of him, and I will become champion of the world once again. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. Again, there's only two fights to mention. Well, two cards to mention. It's kind of like two or three fighters on one card and one or two fighters on another card. So it's going to be really, really short. As I said before, really not too much boxing going on throughout the month of August. We're going to start over in California, USA at the Honda Center. Top of the bill, former uh, Danny Garcia foe. Mr. Robert the Ghost Guerrero, his record at the moment, 33 wins, four losses and one draw. And in the other corner, he faces David Emmanuel Peralta, 25 wins, two losses and one draw. It's a 10 rounder at welterweight. Robert Guerrero's opponent, um, Mr. David Emmanuel Peralta, you know, of his 28 professional fights, they've all been in Argentina. Of his two losses, he's been knocked out on one occasion. And as I said, he, he's, he's fought his whole career in Argentina. It's his first fight in the United States of America. He hasn't really fought anybody. So I think this is going to probably be a, a good fight, you know, because Robert Guerrero is always in good fights. It's going to probably be a tiny bit of a war for some of it, but it's one he's definitely, definitely going to win. And he's going to, you know, win it well. And he's going to probably out outman him and out-tough him and probably even stop him late. I think that the Robert Guerrero of today is well over the hill. He's not the man he used to be and um you know he's just probably trying to get one more crack at the title but i really think he's got nothing else to prove i think he was a good fighter in his day he's had a few losses now to guys that i don't think would have beaten him a couple years before and um it is what it is to be totally honest but yeah you know he gets out again and it, as i say it'll probably be um you know an interesting fight and 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 it's it's always a good watch watching 
Robert Guerrero, but also on that card, Alfredo Angulo, 24 wins and five losses. He faces Freddie Hernandez, 33 wins and eight losses. This is probably the fight of the card, if we're being completely honest. It's a 10-rounder at super middleweight. And um, yeah, I mean, what more can I say about it? That's probably the most interesting fight on the card. Alfredo Angulo, tough, tough guy. And Freddie Hernandez been in some good fights as well. So that one's probably you know, the the best fight of the bill. Also on the card, undefeated Terrell Gulsha, former 2012 Olympian. He His record at the moment, 18 and 0. He takes on Steven Martinez, 16 and 2. So both guys around the same sort of records. Both guys, I'd say, I'd go as far as to say that Gulsha is a prospect, but Steven Martinez, not so much. And this is going to be a decent fight. It's good to see two guys, 18 fights into their pro careers to uh, to cross paths. And of course, if 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 Gulsha wins, which he's expected to win, then he'll bounce on to bigger and better things. This is a 10-rounder in the middleweight division. But that's it for California. We're now going to go over to Washington, Pennsylvania, USA, at the Meadows Racetrack and Casino, top of the bill. And again, a former foe of... Danny Garcia, Rod Salka. Now, before, he probably wouldn't have got a mention, to be honest, but uh, everybody criticizes Danny Garcia for fighting Rod Salka because he was so, so poor. But we're going to mention him here. He's an eight-rounder at lightweight, and he faces Wilbur Lopez. So Wilbur Lopez, 15 and 5. Rod Salka, 22 and 4. Again, it's probably going to be a bit of a bore fest, but you never, never know. So uh, best of luck to Rod Salka, to be honest. Best of luck to him. But the main reason why I'm mentioning this card, because there's a fight on the undercard, a guy that we've been waving his flag for quite a while now. We've been bigging him up over here to the UK fans and to the US fans as well. Devin Haney, 8-0 at the moment. He takes on Carlos Castillo, four wins and three losses. It's only a six-rounder in the lightweight division. You know, Devin Haney's only eight fights into his professional career, but big things are expected of him. So, yeah, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not going to be, you know, a great fight to watch, but it's going to be one that he's going to dominate and win and probably pick up a stoppage a real good fighter to to watch there i've said it many many times about devin haney but that's really it for the preview part of the show so before we end part two there's one last thing to do and that of course is to welcome our second guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome one of the hottest prospects in the super middleweight division mr j leon love j leon welcome to the show what's going on boss i appreciate you having no, it's my pleasure, my man. It's my pleasure. Now, I want to start with um, the first question. I want it to be, just for some of the listeners that may not know too much about you, could you give us a little bit of a backstory, just in a nutshell, where it all began, your amateur career until you turned pro? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my, my career well, first started when I was in Detroit. I grew up in Detroit, um, boxing out of Crunk Gym. You know, it's famously known from you know from all the great fighters like Tommy Hearns, Milton McCoy, Steve McCoy, you know, and so on and so forth. And uh, you know, the uh, Emmanuel Stewart. So that's when my career started. You know, um, I had a you know huge amateur background as far as national champions. You know, being a national champion in several different tournaments and you know representing the United States in different duels and amateur tournaments around the world. So um, I mean. You know, that's what all started. I mean, like most people, you know, I did a, a pretty stellar amateur career. And, you know, here I am as a professional now, you know, in the top, in the, in the ranks, top ranks, in the, uh, you know, in different sanctioned bodies. 
Yeah, you're doing pretty well, but you had a brilliant, brilliant amateur career, by the way. So you turned pro in 2010. You've been very, very active since then, to be honest. Of course, you signed with uh, Mayweather Promotions a few years back. Mm -hmm. How is that working out for you? Uh, Mayweather Promotions is great, man. You know, it's, still, it's, it's, it's steady growing. You know, you're getting a lot of young and great upcoming fighters, man. Um, the staple is definitely growing. You know, I don't really know too many of the newer fighters, but, you know, uh, you know, it seems like they, you know, they they're bringing some some definite heat to to the game. So, um, you know, um, it's it's great on my end. I love it. You know, obviously, you know, we're, we're blessed to be signed with uh, Mayweather Promotions. You know, Floyd Mayweather's promotion company, and you know, being managed by a great manager like as Al Hammond. So, um, you know, I can't can really complain. I'm definitely in the best hands in the business. Yeah, for sure. And what is it like to have one of the best boxers ever, really, behind you every step of the way? Oh, man, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, boxing is a business, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, he's taught me that um, boxing is a business. It's great. You know, it feels great to to have, uh, you know, a guy such as Floyd Mayweather, you know, behind you. But not only that, you don't want to disappoint. You know, you definitely want to... Uh, you know, stand up to the expectations that he and other people have for you. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it's, it's at the same time, you know, it's what we love to do. So, you know, you definitely want to go out and, and showcase your talent the way you're supposed to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I just want to touch on the Mayweather gym, comparing that gym to any other gyms that you might have visited. I know that the Mayweather gym is like the mecca of boxing gyms. Um, how brilliant mm. is that gym? How good is it to be able to train in such a brilliant environment? Oh, I mean, me, a gym is a gym. You know what I'm saying? As long as it has a ring and a bag for me and a speed bag or whatever, you know, uh, it's not really the gym itself. It's the, the fighters that make the gym. Obviously, starting off with Floyd Mayweather, it's his gym. You know, and then obviously the name, the name that it, that it has, you know, um, the reputation that it has. Um, you know, you got different fighters that come to look for opportunity. So you never know who you will have walking through the door. So, you know, you, you got a really an unlimited amount of work, a lot of sparring and different guys from different places all over around the world. So you never really know who you may be in the ring with, you know what I mean? So I think that's what makes it good. You know, you got a lot of different fighters from all over who are attracted to this gym. Yeah, I can imagine. And I did want to ask you about the sparring. Obviously, um, Mayweather himself, a lot of his fighters, like some of the, the other notable names that he works with, they're all kind of at lower weights. How is it? Because you're, mm -hmm. you're one of his heaviest guys, I understand. How, how are you finding sparring? Do you spar a lot of good fighters in the gym? Oh, man, I spar, I spar a lot of great fighters. Um, me, my thing is, is I like to go where the work is. It doesn't matter. I may go over to Detroit if I need sparring at uh, at World's Best Boxing Gym. I may go over right down the street from Floyd Mayweather's gym. To um, it's a gym called Fight Capital with a lot of good work there. A lot of good guys come that comes there. Hey, I may go over to Top Rank and get some work. It don't matter. We go wherever. So wherever I can to get the work, you know, uh, we don't hesitate to go wherever to get sparring. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the right mentality to have. And I want to ask you, Jaylion, what is Floyd like as a person? I know that you, you kind of always hear mixed opinions on him. However, I know that he's reportedly quite generous. I know that he bought Ashley Fiafane a car previously. Has he bought you any gifts at yeah. all? 
Oh, man, I didn't got everything. <laughs> Listen, Floyd has, Floyd has bought me a lot. You know what I'm saying? He's helped me with my family. He's done a lot for me. I can point out every bit and piece of thing that he's done for me, man. Floyd is a genuine individual who who definitely cares about your well-being. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, people don't know him. They only see an image from TV or get a get a, a certain image from TV. But I know him personally, man. And I mean, the dude would give you anything if you need it. You know, uh, I'm I, like I said. You know, it, it is a business. Boxing is a business, but that's my friend. You know what I mean? Uh, but is my friend. I have his back. He always has my back. That's one person that I can say, man, I would definitely appreciate. You know, he's giving me endless opportunities. And even still now, you know, we still cool and, you know, we still, you know, see and talk, crack up, man. Hey, it's definitely a genuine individual. Yeah, that's good to hear, man. That is good to hear. He's misunderstood sometimes. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's unfair, really. But um, in the UK recently, we've heard a lot back and forth about a proposed fight between you and Rocky Fielding. Could you tell uh-huh. us how that all came about and why the fight hasn't been made yet? Yeah, um, I mean, you know, uh, at the end of the day, man, I'm not a promoter. I'm not a manager. I'm not none of that. I'm just a fighter. I would fight Rocky Fielding any day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. It don't matter. Rocky Fielding is not anyone I'm worried about. You know, uh, I respect every fighter that gets in there. At the end of the day, it's not anything I say. Can't I can't say anything bad about Rocky Fielding. First off, I don't know Rocky Fielding. You know, uh, I, I, I send my respects to him as far as, you know, a fighter, period. So, I don't care about Rocky Fielding. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I'm a different type of person, man. You know, we grew up in two different worlds. At the end of the day, Rocky Fielding is no threat to me, even in the ring. So, at the same time, you know what I'm saying, he's good for the U.K. He's really nothing impressive to me. That's just me being honest. Outside of that, the fight hasn't been made because I'm not stupid, first off. I'm not going to go anywhere and fight a guy in their hometown or wherever for some change, you know, some some change. So maybe they, you know, maybe, you know, they need to reevaluate who they make offers to and what kind of offers they make to a fighter. So that's just it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm I'm doing well for myself. And at the end of the day, I never, I, I, I'm not around, a, I'm not around a dummy and I don't, I don't make dumb decisions. You know what I'm saying? So, at the same time, you know, the things that they've sent my way is kind of stupid. And it's kind of a laugh that I would laugh. You know, maybe not for another fighter that would take that, but it's just not for me. Okay. So, yeah. So, in your heart of hearts, do you see that? Do you see this fight actually happening in the future at all? I, and are you, is I it, don't would know. it only happen I, in, the, in the U.S. as well? I wouldn't give a, listen, man, I'm a real blunt type of person. I wouldn't give a fuck about rock fight, right, rock. I can write, fight Rocky Fielder in a in a parking lot of a Walmart. I don't give a damn as long as the as long as the shit is right. You know what I'm saying? I don't. You know, every it has to make sense. Things have to make sense. You know, I don't have to just fight a person to fight them. Rocky Fielder is not. That's not a guy that, that puts a a threat to me at all. I don't. He's green to me. I watched him against that Rebaz guy. That dude is green. That dude is green. He's good over there. He's fighting guys from over there. That dude is good for there. 
He ain't good. I'm not a person that he gonna be able to hit like that, man. Rocky Feldon is really not that good to me. And I'm just being real. I don't know what y'all think of him over there. But over here, man, come on, man. That dude is that dude is almost garbage to me. And I'm not trying to shit on him like that. I'm just keeping it real, real. Rocky Fielding is we can talk about somebody else, honestly, because Rocky Fielding is nothing to me. Okay. No, I mean he's yeah, he's thought of he, he's a he's a good fighter. You know, he's um he's kind of his he's stocks have for, kind of gone down there. a little bit. He's good for the UK. <laughs> he's since he's since the, since being knocked out since being knocked out by Callum Smith, everybody's I mean, kind Callum of jumped Smith, off the listen, ship. That happens. We ain't not even talking about him being knocked out. But that's part of boxing. People sit here and speak on a fight getting knocked out. That don't mean shit. The greats have been knocked out. Tommy Hearns have been knocked out. Shit, Lennox Lewis was knocked out. A lot of great fighters have been knocked out. At the end of the day, that don't mean anything. You know what I'm saying? Shit, you get in there and you... Most of the people that say this fighter ain't good, he got knocked out by this person, don't know nothing because they ain't never been hit before. They don't yeah. know what it is to be hit. They don't know what it is to run miles and wake up in the morning and eat right and grind and sacrifice this, that, and the other. They don't know. So who cares what people say about me or a Rocky Fielding or any other boxer that was knocked out? That makes zero sense to a person that doesn't matter to the sport, especially if they're just a fan or a critic. That don't matter. You got critics that sit behind a computer that weigh 290 pounds <laughs> and, and, and and don't do nothing but but get on a computer. So that don't matter. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Nah. So, you know, you can't really – if styles make fights and one guy has to be the better guy that night. And at the end of the day, Callum Smith was the better guy. When I got, when I got stopped – the, the guy I fought was the better guy. So that's just part of boxing. You know what I'm saying? You win some, you lose some. At the end of the day, I won, I lost one, he lost one. And at the end of the day, hey, at the, he's 22 or whatever, and I'm, I'm, we damn near got the same record. I don't flaw. That's not a flaw that I look at. Oh, he got knocked out by this guy. Hey, you get hit across that chin the right way, no matter who you are, you will go down. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah. So so in one yeah. word, do you think the fight may happen in the future, yes or no? Maybe the future. I, hopefully it can. I mean, I would love to get that to the UK fans and then go over there and straight smash that motherfucker and then come back here. <laughs> and I, then I say, I told you so. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I would love to do that. And that's just me. And that's me being respectful. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. I don't listen, man. I you have to this is fighting, man. I don't care about these people, man. I don't care. If uh, my job is to get in there, display my talent, do the best I can and go out there. I don't have no heart for nobody. I don't care about a Rocky Fielding, a Rocky Lockridge, or Rocky nothing. So it don't really matter to me. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, have you got a fight um, penciled in for the 16th of September? Yeah, I fight the 16th. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, I fight a guy. Um, Deshaun Johnson. I, yeah, Deshaun Johnson. Uh, 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 it's a guy I'm about to fight. I don't know. He's um, yeah. he's he's a lot better than his record suggests. He's been matched very, very tough. Um, uh-huh. I was going to ask you, what do you expect from him on fight night and what can we expect from Nothing. you? <laughs> Nothing. You just expect everything from me. That's it. <laughs> Okay, Nothing. I'll leave that question there. Yeah, that's <laughs> now, it. Nothing. Ah, yeah. Now, of course, um, Floyd promotes both yourself and Badu Jack. I imagine you're both quite uh-huh. close friends, but is that is that a fight yeah, that bro, would yeah. never get happen? Is that a fight that would never happen? 
Um, I don't see it happening. You know, Badu is on a different different uh, route right now, and uh, I'm on a different route right now. Congrats to Badu, Jack, super middleweight champion of the world, WBC super middleweight champion of the world. And that's my brother, and I'm happy for him. At the end of the day, how we moving on to 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 fighting another person? Yeah, for sure. And if he yeah. takes on the UK's very own James DeGal, how do you see that fight uh-huh. going down? I I hope it's a good fight, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm awfully always back my guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm always, you know what I'm saying? Hope for Badu to get be victorious. James DeGal is a brilliant fighter, very good fighter, very 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 good fighter. He has a lot of knowledge, a very intelligent fighter. And you know it'll be it's it's definitely you know a, a good matchup for a great fight. So uh, I'm looking forward to it to to it and being there. And you know hopefully both guys go ahead and and, and go ahead and put it all on the line like boxing boxers should. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Now I know that you um you made a comment. It kind of got a bit blown out of proportion. But what happened? Um, just in a nutshell, what happened with Chris Eubanks Senior? What was all that about? Oh, he's a pussy, bro. Chris, you, I ain't got. I don't care who's offended by it, but he is, bro. Um, he, I, I just don't like him. He, you know what I'm saying? I don't like him. I'm sure I ain't the only one that don't like him. I don't like him. I don't like. It's not. It's not Chris Eubank Jr. It's his dad. I don't like his dad, Chris Eubank. Not his junior. I ain't. I barely, I don't even talk to Junior. He. I, I never really exchange words with him ever. I don't really say hi to him or nothing, you know. But I don't like his dad. His dad is a fucking pussy. <laughs> and what, how did that all start? What, what What did he say? Was he disrespectful? I, I took. Yeah, he was disrespectful. He, uh, you know, I took my loss. You know what I'm saying? And right after my loss, I had, you know, we had an event. Floyd had an event. I think it was an appreciation dinner. And he told me, um, he walked up to me. And obviously I know boxing, so I know who Chris Eubank is. He walked up to me and um, he said, why are you here? I, I looked at him like, excuse me. You know, I, first of all, I don't want to be disrespectful. So, I, you know, I really wanted to make sure that's what I heard. Why am I here? Why am I here? So I said, uh, I said, why are you here? He says, well, a real fighter wouldn't show up to this event after losing. <laughs> and I was like, wow. what? Like, yeah. So I'm like, he said, a real fighter will go right back to the gym. Uh, he, he said, a real fighter will go right back to the gym and train and wouldn't be here. And mm. so, I, you know, I, I took offense to that. And, he, you know, he came at me real wrong. I really could have, I really would have smacked the shit out of him. But, you know, obviously I wasn't, that wasn't the place at the time. Because no. I saying, that's not, that's not. That's not what type of person I am and try to be. I try to leave that shit alone. But, you know, he was disrespectful, man. He came at me real wrong. So that's why I don't like him. And that's why I made the comment. And that's how I feel how I feel about him. I don't like him at all. Well, after hearing what so, happened so, there, I think but, you're entitled yeah, to that. But, but it's, not, it's nothing toward, it's nothing toward the, the son, though. I mean, yeah. the son got a problem. If the son got feelings for it, then fuck him too. But at the same time, it's just kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it ain't had nothing to do. It ain't had nothing to do with with the son. It was the father. That's why I said what I said because I took offense to that. Yeah. No, so, you've got a point. You I don't know. know. This... Most people don't. Yeah. yeah. Most people okay. don't know though. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. That's good. Uh, now, um, the last couple of questions I'm going to ask you. Just a couple of um, kind of like um, funner sort of questions. I just want to ask you, who is the best fighter that you've sparred with? 
Um, I spar with a lot of good fighters, man. I really can't tell you the best. Any any top three or anything I, like that? I I I, I spar with the Darrells. Um, they they're both great fighters. Uh, yeah, for sure. I spar, I spar with so many, so many man. It's crazy, man. I've been first of all, I grew up in a gym where everybody could fight. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of hard to put a finger on just the best or the top three. I mean, I spar guys all over the world. You know what I'm saying? You know, they've all been good work. So I really, I would say, let me see, let me think about it. Let me think. I would say that both Darrells, Andy and uh, Andre, they're both really good talented fighters. I mean, just my gym period. You know, when I was young, I was coming up with like a Cornelius Bundridge. You know, I was coming up with a lot of those those rough guys. So, you know, it's kind of hard to really put my finger on it, man. Kermit Centron, I was young. I was small, fight sparring these big punchers and stuff like that. Yeah, that's fine. Boy, Mayweather would have to be definitely be one. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. That's my top three. <laughs> when you when you spar when you spar with Mayweather, do you? I mean, obviously, there's there's the uh, there's the weight difference. It's it's, it's quite because it's quite big. Uh-huh. Do you really go for it when you're sparring each other, or is it not so much? Yeah, I mean, shit, it's punching somebody punching you, and you attempting to punch him. So yeah, um, I mean, I don't sparring. I've never been in the ring to spar halfway or at a yeah. medium. I don't do that. I spar full fledged. You know what I'm saying? Especially if somebody's doing the same toward me. So you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's just 100. percent So yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. And I want to ask you now: Who's your favorite fighter to watch? I'm not sure if you watch a lot of boxing, but at the moment, who who do you yeah. like to watch the most? Um, is is right now? Yeah, as of right now. Huh, right now. I like Earl Spence, very good fighter. Yeah, definitely. Um, good win the other day. I like Kel Brock, a very good fighter. Kel Brook, um, yeah. Got a huge yeah, fight Earl, coming up. Brooke, yeah, Kel, Kel Brook. Um, I like, uh, I like the dude that just won, came over here and won. Um, what's his name? Beat the, beat the Mexican kid. Can't even think, no. Yeah, he just won. The, he just won the belt. Oh, he won a title. Um, yeah, he won a belt. Uh, yeah, I mean, Carl Frampton. Carl Frampton. Carl Frampton. Frampton. The Frampton fight. Yeah, Frampton. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was. I like watching him. Um, yeah, good fight. Let me see. Uh, Dominique Dalton. Okay. I like watching. Um, what's the, uh Tony Harrison? I like okay. Watching, uh, I like watching Eric Lubin. Uh, who else? Uh, <laughs> You've already given me about ten names, man. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, I can keep going. I like it's a it's a lot of good fighters coming up. <laughs> there is, really there fighters. really is. Yeah, there really is. Yeah. And I want to ask you now. I must ask you this. I have to ask this to everybody that we speak to from overseas, Jay Leon. Who's your favorite uh, UK fighter of all time, past or present? Huh, UK fighter. Uh, t- mm. I can help you with the top three most popular names if you want. Okay, I'm pretty good at him, but go ahead. Let me see what you got. Uh, the most popular has got to be Prince Nassim Hamid. He's always talked about. He was a very, he was a good fighter. Yes, he was. Yep. Go ahead. Apart from up. him, uh, Lennox Lewis gets talked about and Ricky Hatton. I, I'd say Lennox Lewis is my top one. Yeah? That'd be my top one. Lennox Lewis, he's just the way he, the way he did everything properly, the way he shot his punches, the way he worked behind his jab. You know, uh, Man, um, he was a very skilled and technical fighter. I like technical fighters. I don't like a guy that just 
go out there and wore it out. You know what I'm saying? I like guys that can bang and box and beat and make you think. And Lennox Lewis was that type of fighter. So, yes, Lennox Lewis for sure. Absolutely. And now, just before I let you go, the last thing I want to just ask you and give you an opportunity to do, you've got a load of guys over here in the UK that are big fans of yourself. If you've got a message to send any of those, please tell it to them yeah. now. Yeah, um, that, you know, I'm just Jalen Young, man. You know, I, I'm the way that I am. I talk the way that I talk. You know what I'm saying? And I really, you know what I'm saying? I respect those who respect me. And I appreciate the people that do show me love from the UK. I mean, obviously, I come from, you know, the bottom. So, to now, for now, people to know my name there, whether, you know what I'm saying, is from a from a, another boxer or just a boxer fan, it means a lot. Um, outside of that, you know, don't judge me until you know me, man. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I appreciate the love. Uh, lots of respect to all the fighters over there. I, can, I, I want to get out there and, and, and fight some of those guys. And, you know what I'm saying? So... It's a, it's a lot of love from me to you, to all the fans, the upcoming fighters, the guys in the Olympics that I'm following, you know what I'm saying, the silver medalist for the light heavyweight. He did a great job from over there. Uh, it's just, you know, so on and so forth, man. I keep up with a lot of you guys, and I appreciate y'all keeping up with me. Excellent stuff. Okay, listen, Jay Leon, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. I appreciate you giving us a bit of time this week. I wish you good luck in yeah. your fight on the 16th and a happy birthday a few days after that. I appreciate you having me on, bro. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 47 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Aya Sumra has been Aya Sumra. I'd like to apologise for some of the small audio interference during part one and two. I'm very sorry about that. We'll hopefully get that fixed. I'd like to thank our two guests for taking part in this week's show. World contender Jay Leon Love and yet another world champion, this time Mr. Juan Diaz. The biggest thank you of all goes out to the listeners. I've always said it and I'll always keep saying it. Without you, this show is nothing. In. To all the regulars, it's been great to have you back. And to all the first-time listeners, welcome aboard. We'll be back next week with another world champion and also another big show, as always. Until then, my friends, take care. <laughs>